Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where this week we're exploring some of the most haunted L.A. theatres. Let's kick off with some trivia. Do you think that this is fact or fiction? Most American theatres keep a light on after the theatre closes for the ghosts. What do you think? Are you shouting out the answer? Anyway, find out what the answer is later in the show. Today, we are heading across the pond to the haunted theatres of Los Angeles, where the spirits of the past continue to tread the boards. Los Angeles is well known for its rich theatrical history, with iconic venues that have witnessed countless performances and star-studded events. However, some of these theatres are said to be home to more than just the living, as ghostly tales and paranormal encounters have been passed down through generations. Our first stop is the Pantages Theatre, located in the heart of Hollywood. This magnificent Art Deco venue has hosted numerous Broadway shows and film premieres since its opening in 1930. However, many people believe the spirit of Howard Hughes, the eccentric billionaire, still lingers in the theatre's upper balcony. Howard loved the theatre and death didn't stop this love. Legend says a break-in on the second floor prompted the hauntings in the conference room where Hughes once held office. Since then, employees reported cold spots or unexplained breezes as well as apparitions in this area. Common occurrences also include rattling desk drawers and cigarette smoke. In 1992, a tall male figure was reported walking down the hall into an old office. Then door handles were heard being rattled, as well as drawers being opened and closed. It appears that apart from spending time in his old office, it seems that watching rehearsals is a hobby of Howard's, with performers seeing a mysterious man watching them sitting in the back row of the balcony. The man disappeared before security got a chance to question him. 
Another ghost said to haunt the Pantages is Alexander Pantage himself. He is said to keep a watchful eye on the main floor, as he used to when he was alive. His spirit is said to walk up the aisle during performances. When the attendants open the door, he disappears. In the 1990s, a wardrobe lady was said to come into contact with Alexander. She was escorted out by an unknown person. She was the last to leave the theatre, and since the lights were already turned off, she was having a hard time finding a way out. Suddenly, she felt someone take her gently by the elbow and guide her out. Was this Alexander Pantages himself? A gentleman even beyond the grave. The next haunted theatre is the Warner Grand Theatre in San Pedro. This historic venue has been captivating audiences since it was opened in 1931. Here it's said there is a figure that is often seen sitting in the back row of the theatre in the darkness as a movie plays. For some reason, it's thought that this is the apparition of the spirit of a former projectionist. Could it be Jack Warner, founder of the Warner Brothers? Later in the show, we speak to actor and comedian Ruby McCollister. She actually grew up in one of Los Angeles' haunted theatres. But before that, let's hear this week's listener story. Now, this week's listener story comes from Kate in Somerset, who sent us a voice note on WhatsApp, and it's about Shepton Mallet Prison. Hi, Yvette and gang. Um, my name is Kate. I am sending you this in from Somerset. Um, I hope you're all well, loving the podcast, listen to it every week. Um, I want to kind of tell you about my experience of Shepton Mallet Prison. It's come up several times on the podcast. Um, you might be sick to death of hearing about it, but um, I love to rave about the place. So starting from the very, very beginning, I got into the paranormal when I was five years old and had an experience um, seeing my grandmother, obviously at five you kind of can't dismiss something that stays with you um, throughout childhood and, and beyond. Um, so I was kind of hooked from from that point on. Then watching Most Haunted as kind of a teenager onwards kind of instilled uh, everything. So, yeah, my experience at Shepton started back in 2017 when I was really lucky to win a competition through Shepton Manor Prison and, and a paranormal events team that, that re regularly go there. I took a friend along. We were going to be sleeping in a cell, so we got there, uh, chose a cell. Um, little did I know that we wouldn't be sleeping at all. Uh, so you get there at like seven in the evening and, and you're let out at seven the next morning. So we kind of got there, had a little bit of food, had a history tour, obviously my first experience of, of going around something like that, especially in the pitch black, it was October, um, dark, dark evenings, absolutely fantastic. It was just so atmospheric um, and the guy that took us around, so knowledgeable, he was actually uh, an ex-prisoner prison officer um, that worked there. So we had kind of hands-on experience of um, of what he'd witnessed while, while working there. Got our bearings. It's an absolutely huge place, easy to get lost in. After we'd had this tour, we had our kind of free time to, to wander around. We hooked up with some people there that obviously had, had done it all before and got to experience table tipping, Ouija boards, um, seances. So towards um, three o'clock in the morning, uh, it was a kind of the hardcore gang left left um, there, which included um, the manager of the prison and um, 
or two managers of the prison and and about six of us guests still still standing we took ourselves off to the 1610 area so this is the old gatehouse that was used right the way up to about the the 1990s prisoners were brought in here the very very old sort of ancient gatehouse part i think was kind of disused um by the 1990s but it used to house the what we think was an office on the middle floor and on the top floor would have been lodgings for the um the chief of the prison um so we headed up to this top floor tiny little room top of a tiny narrow staircase um windows like slits a bit like a castle um really dark obviously did let some of the street light in at three o'clock there was no daylight there was no moonlight got together in a circle holding hands started calling out nothing really happened initially we were all sort of giving our best efforts all scared witless really um i think none of us apart from um the prison the uh, prison managers had had kind of done something like that before say probably 10-15 minutes into this still holding hands um I was aware that the room had got dark. I could see people's shadows, um, silhouettes before this happened. And all of a sudden I couldn't. I can sort of describe it as an inky blackness. The atmosphere got really thick. Kind of didn't really think much of it. And then I was aware that there was a figure in front of me in the circle, very, very tall. Thought I must be seeing things. This can't be actually happening. Looked away, closed my eyes, really tired late at night. Thought, yeah, must be seeing things. Opened up, looked again, and this figure's still there. And I look up towards the ceiling. The ceiling's quite low and this figure was really, really tall could see a face staring down at me um I was aware that it was a very dark figure seemed to be in a suit and I was aware of a white shirt looked away again in kind of disbelief looked back and again this face staring down at me this really tall figure and at this point I freaked out and I had to say something so said to the group very shakily can anybody else in the room, can anybody see um, anything? The prison manager kind of called out. He said, yeah, I, I am witnessing something. And um, I said to him, well, what can you see? He said, I can see a shadow, a shape in front of you. It looks like it's a man um, wearing a suit. And at this point, I absolutely freaked out and I had to get out of there. So we put our torches on. Um, I didn't scream, um, but yeah, I had to make a hasty retreat. And needless to say, the rest of the night, um, I was really, really freaked out. Um, it's absolutely amazing that I saw that and it kind of instilled into me that I wanted to do something further with this. So off the back of um, that night, I ended up working for one of the paranormal groups that go in to investigate Shepton. And um, yeah, the experiences went on from there. Absolutely fantastic. Lovely place to go. Um, and anybody that's in the area visiting, um, highly recommend it. So yeah, that's my story. Um, and I hope that I can progress on things maybe in the future. I've had to kind of sideline it for the moment, what with life getting in the way. Um, but yeah, that's me. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for sharing your experience with me. I'm amazed. I really am at how many people love, absolutely adore to sleep overnight in a haunted prison. I've had my fill of these places and even tonight 
I'm off to HMP Shrewsbury with Most Haunted Experience. I'm not sleeping over there. You wouldn't catch me doing that. I think really when a smaller group stay overnight in a haunted location, they will experience something paranormal. And I believe that when there are lots of people in one place, it only takes one person who's been dragged along for the ride, who doesn't believe in ghosts or anything to do with the paranormal whatsoever, that instantly puts a negative barrier up and it shuts down the paranormal activity altogether. I've seen it with my own eyes so many times. We can have a room and it'll have like, I don't know, 10 people in it. And we're doing a Ouija board and it's all going really well. And then all of a sudden, a couple more people come into the room and one of those people just happens to be a non-believer. And as soon as they come into the room, all the activity on the table stops. And it's extraordinary. And I've seen it happen time and time and time again. So whenever I do an investigation with public, I always say, listen, if you don't believe in it, please, will you just be open-minded for tonight? Because then hopefully we'll get some really great activity. Otherwise, you know, you're muting it, you're stopping the activity. Um, And I feel a bit awful when I say that, but it's the truth. So just a few of you in a huge place like a prison is certainly a great way to investigate paranormal activity, but make sure everybody that you take with you really is positive and sending out those positive um, energy vibes. That would be great. I personally, as I said, I've never slept in a cell, but I did stay all night when I first went to HMP Shrewsbury. I was so frightened, especially when a huge metal crowbar narrowly missed my head as it whizzed past me in the dark. And let's not forget being alone and locked in a cell and hearing the metal bunk move on its own. Oh, and of course, there was the terrifying incident of the bubble hat. We won't linger on that embarrassing tale anyway. Let's move on. Well, how marvellous, Kate, that you and one other saw the man in the suit, though. How wonderful is that? And I wonder who he was, dressed in such fine clothes for a prison. Mm, It got me thinking, could it have been one of the past prison wardens, perhaps? Well, keep up the great work, Kate, and let me know if you witness anything else at Shepton, which I'm sure you will. Hello, my name is Mark Thompson, your guide aboard the Constellation Station podcast. Tune in every Monday for your weekly guide to all things going on in the skies above the UK that week. From meteor showers to comets and eclipses to supernova explosions, I will have it all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. But until then, let's hope for some clear skies. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Now, we're joined by comedian and actress Ruby McAllister, and she's bringing her one-woman show to Edinburgh Fringe this year, and she actually grew up in a haunted theatre in L.A. Ruby McAllister is an American comedian and actress who was raised, get this, in a haunted theatre. Well, I want to know more about this. Welcome, Ruby. Welcome to the show. Oh, Thanks, you guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You were raised in a haunted theatre. We just need you to tell us the story from the beginning (laughs) until I assume your parents don't live there anymore until the end. Yes. Okay. So um, my parents met each other working in theatre in New York. They met each other. They got married. They had me. And in sort of like, I would say like an anxiety riddled panic. (laughs) My father took this job at this theater in Los Angeles called the Cornet Theater that for any LA heads in the audience is on La Cienica Boulevard between Beverly Boulevard and Melrose Avenue. And uh, the Cornet Theater is a very uh, beloved theater of Los Angeles. Currently, it is currently sort of like the most popular comedy theater in Los Angeles. It's called the Largo right now, and it's housed within the Coronet Theater. So my father decided to take this job at this theater, and it's like not the best town for theater. It's just famously sort of not. It is such a one-horse town. It is a real one-industry town. Um, It really is so driven by the film and television industry. And also, I think my hot take is that, like, theater can't, like, properly thrive in Los Angeles historically because you have to drive everywhere. Like, you can't, like, have a drink and go home, enjoy yourself at a live event and go home. There's, like, this whole, like, car thing you're having to negotiate with when I was a kid. It was really hard to get people into the theater. It was really bizarre. Like anyway, just sort of a bizarre atmosphere to be raised in Mm -hmm. because it wasn't um, the Parisian opera house. It wasn't the center, you know, it wasn't the center of culture in Los Angeles at all. It often felt like it was just a side of the the real center like it's like already a little creepy it's already a little (laughs) it's already a little sad it's already a little you know (laughs) uh bizarre it's it's giving creepy it's giving tim burton it's giving like what's going on here okay (laughs) so yeah my father took this job we packed up my father ran the cornet theater which again was it was uh built in the 40s in los angeles Bertolt Brecht, when he was on contract in Hollywood to write scripts, premiered his play Galileo Galilei um, at the Cornet. And this is getting to the ghost. That play was translated from German into English and like adapted by British actor Charles Lawton. 
So Charles Lawton, oh, wow. you know, was a Shakespearean actor that also became uh, a silent film actor and then also made the transition from silent film into talkies. Then he went to Los Angeles. He lived in that neighborhood, which is West Hollywood. That was June 19th, 1947, Galileo Galilei premiered. He also starred in the play, but he was also moving into this phase of his life where he was sort of becoming more of a director, more back behind the scenes, you know. Mm-hmm. He would later die um like around the corner for a variety of different reasons he had cancer he you know it was just like he was slowly disintegrating but so it was rumored when i was a child that charles lawton and he would and he would workshop a lot of his stuff at the cornet um the cornet became sort of this sort of workspace if you will for charles lawton so Charles Lawton is rumored to have, well, not rumored, I've experienced his ghosts, but I, <laughs> Charles Lawton was like the resident ghost or like the main resident ghost of the Cornet. I, I believe he's still there. That his specific ghost, like I became very like fixated on, obsessed with, and through learning about his ghosts, um, I became obsessed with go so that's where it came from then yeah so so tell us about that experience when you first saw the ghost of charles lawson i mean how cool is that yes. it's not just any old ghost it's not you know but it's charles lawton that's fantastic yes. how old were you and what happened when you what, what was the scenario when i was around five years old there were like a few haunts in my like and i mean haunts like um regular places you'd go <laughs> not like <laughs> not like randoms pardon um yeah. <laughs> we lived like four blocks away from the theater so my world until i was about 13 years old was really like centralized in this like five block radius which again in los angeles is freaking unheard of the the rumors are true you don't walk in la but babe i was walking around these five blocks like nobody's business and so, like, we would go to this, like, coffee shop. And I remember, like, once, it was, like, the almost the same day. We'd go to the coffee shop. And I remembered my mother pointed to a little table in the back. And she goes, Orson Welles haunts that table. And I just remember this very evocatively. Because I was like, what are what could you be talking about? What do you mean? It was, like, this mind-blowing, interdimensional idea of like what do you mean someone haunts a table you know what i mean like i was like this is out of control this is blowing my mind very like near that moment in which i was like sort of grappling with this idea of haunting what does that mean i hear from a girl at the box office that like i shouldn't go upstairs by myself and i was like why (laughs) she told me because the this fear is haunted and it was like, <laughs> okay. And then she's like, it's haunted by Charles Lawton's ghost. I get really upset. I'm like, truly, what does this mean? Haunted by Charles Lawton's ghost. Again, it's this sort of like, it's that classic childhood feeling. Like when you learn about something that's so far out that like your brain is breaking in real time. <laughs> like your your idea of reality is fracturing before your eyes and you're like upset by it. Like you have to like deal with it. So I did talk to my father mm. about it and he in fact said like, well, yes, like he goes, which I believe and I strongly believe, you know, every theater is haunted. 
every theater mm. is haunted, but it's not a theater if it isn't haunted. I agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Every theater that I have investigated, every, and, and a lot of people that own them will say, oh, there's nothing here. And I'll say, yeah, there will be. And there always is. There always is. Yeah. Like for so many different reasons, I think it, you know, it's a, it's a place of immense passion. It's a place of mm. expression. And it's also energy. Of energy, exactly. It's like you're like really in real time. Live performance is always sort of like interdimensional. Like you're bringing multiple timelines into a place at once. And it's like the more mm-hmm. it's used, the more passionate the space is infused with. I mean, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. And like the the history of a ghost light that you turn every theater in the world turns on a ghost light at night. This is what you do. It is tradition. Theater is also, and it's such a beautiful thing. And it's why I love theater so much. Theater is an insane, insane, ritualistic, highly ritualistic medium. It, everything is ritual. Everything is superstition. Everything you, you, you know, you don't walk under the ladder. You don't you know, talk about the Scottish play in the theater, you know, like there's all these <laughs> fabulous, weird rules. And I also think that is really like accommodating to this sort of like interdimensionality. It allows like the multiple portals to exist because ostensibly mm. you inherently in theater as a theater practitioner from the lighting designer to the manager to the actor, everyone is sort of bowing down to this omniscient set of rules, these mysterious rules that you are surrendering, that is like more powerful than you. And I think that is just like the beauty of theater in general for me. So when I found out about Charles Lawton's ghost, I became really, really obsessed. And I, it was, he was rumored to haunt the attic and right behind the at, right next to the attic was a dance studio that was used for rehearsals. Sometimes it was sort of like makeshifted into a small little theater to do readings or quick plays and then uh right off the dance studio was this little um like changing room right next to the stairs of the attic and i would go into the attic try to see his ghost i would get really freaked out a lot of the time one time you know the handle was hot i opened the door and the the attic is like freezing cold there was one time where I believe I saw sort of like a dark shadow in the corner, like a larger dark shadow in the corner of the attic, which I believe to be Charles's ghost. The most frequent, um, I guess, activity, because the ghost was not, I guess, like not a violent or a very disruptive ghost, I guess. It wasn't. Everybody saw this in the theater. The light in the attic was constantly turning on and off. You could not, it, the, that mm-hmm. is the light in the attic and the light in the little dressing room next to the attic, the light would be turned on and off. You could never control that light. It was always on, it was always off. One time I was in that little dressing room, like reading a book during my homework or whatever, and the light turned off, you know. Like it, it was, that is really like, how he was communicating and um, my father confirmed that the owner my father I was like telling him I'm going on this podcast can you text your ex <laughs> and like get and you know get a consensus of what their activity what they 
you know, witnessed as the activity. Yeah, everyone confirmed. It's all, it was always the light. The light was turning on and off. You'd be so terrified. What did you do? Well, I would, you know, always find my dad, always find my mom. I became really obsessed with ghosts at large in Los Angeles. So then I became like a armchair historian of LA because the more you get into ghosts, the more you actually inherently learn about history because you were learning about the past in real time. At that time when the light turned off, I wasn't, I was, I, I was scared, but at that point, point I was really I really like being scared oh my god <laughs> I really by the time I was seven I was going to haunted locations around the city forcing my parents to drive me around and um I would take a Polaroid camera and see if I could get any like I was like I uh, it was my life you were a ghost hunter I was really invested we came and investigated some locations in LA, in LA, and one of them was, forgive me, um, it, was it called the Hollywood Canteen? I don't know. It was where like oh, Humphrey yeah. Bogart this, would go like, and uh, dance hall and bar that was operated actually uh, for the soldiers to come and hang out that's, with all uh, That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We investigated this place and it was absolutely amazing. And there was yeah. a snooker table <laughs> in one of the rooms, and the snooker balls. Were moving all on their no. own, no. and yeah, fly, yeah, flying through the air and hitting us, and we were like, "What the hell?" This was fantastic. I mean, we, we it was absolutely wonderful. Everybody was very welcoming to us. They were very like, couldn't quite believe that it, this was, you know over 20 well 20 years ago so in those back then you know like when you were a kid you know yeah. a little girl and stuff it was like a it, it wasn't really as big as it is now no, it for wasn't paranormal at investigating all, no. it was kind of an un, yeah it was a, an unheard kind of and if you did it you were like what what do you do oh my god how weird is that totally. so i can imagine you going round la <laughs> with your little backpack on and your little your little gig going and being that ghost hunter that's so wonderful and the fact oh, that you, you loved it and you weren't scared is fabulous how wonderful there was an aspect of learning about my city um, seeing how it, you know, like I also at the time there was the last running silent movie theater a few blocks away. From, like I, I lived in this bizarre, idealistic moment in Los Angeles where I had like really constant access to look at my own city throughout time. And mm -hmm. I could see uh, there was like an organ player. I like I saw like Laurel and Hardy silent films with a live organ player that played oh, wow. in the silent era you know what I mean it's like I I was this the the last gasp of all of these things from that generation from the past of Los Angeles being actively accessible yeah. even alone like um because I was raised in this theater and it's one of my favorite feelings because it's so homey to me but you know I would be in the theater I would be in darkness or you know this is a classic um or like if you're in a movie theater you're in darkness so this is a a frequent um, space for people in Los Angeles to be like you're in a movie theater, you're watching a movie and then you go outside to the most blinding, even lit light in the world. That's why mm. movies moved from New York City in the early 1900s to Los Angeles, because you could film outside. Everything was evenly lit. It, that is literally mm. why it was there. It was the, the light alone. You can always tell if something's filmed in L.A. or if it isn't. I can just because if the outdoor shot isn't lit in the specific way, 
it's a dead giveaway. So it's like this there's this ritual mm. in Los Angeles of being in complete darkness in a movie theater or in my case, the Cornet Theater. You're in a very dark space and then you're going out into this blinding, piercing white light. And this is like a common exchange that your body goes through in a way of like going to darkness into light. It's this it's a bizarre, <laughs> like almost like ritual of like what being is, reborn yes ghost hunting and through learning about ghosts i got to metabolize much easier this ex- this extreme and intense hometown of mine through these ghosts through these stories through this mm-hmm. investigation it was a way of coping with my surroundings how amazing is that i hope you're writing a book or because i think you need to write one about your life and (laughs) growing up in the theater please do it would be absolutely brilliant and also just to say that you know you are an actress and you're a comedian um you're going to be doing your amazing thing whatever that is at the moment at the fringe theater so do you just want to tell us a little bit about that what you're up to well yeah my um my show uh show that's the word i was looking for it went out of my head then (laughs) your thing (laughs) Um, (laughs) my show is called tragedy and um tragedy is my show it's my first one woman show it's a comedic show but it's also very much it's the show about my relationship with this theater, the Cornet Theater, my relationship with Charles Lawton, this ghost, and how this, through my my interest in ghosts, how it morphed into this larger interest in the macabre and in these tragic stories, yeah. and um, how, and just sort of the journey I've had in my life, sort of, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys can relate, where you like, you take on all this <laughs> tragedy, you know what I mean? You take on yeah, all these stories. And you, at least yeah. for me, when I was growing up, there was a very large period of time where I was like, I have to sort of emulate some of these stories or I have to sort of mm. get to that spot because it became such a fixation. It became sort of like a way of modeling my life. That's not the case anymore. But that, but that, tragedy is the story of my obsession with the tragic and sort of what happened to me (laughs) because of that but (laughs) believing in ghosts and investigating ghosts is a real uh gateway drug into quantum physics is a real gateway drug into yes it is it's a real like yes not woo woo at all it's like a real uh way to investigate your surroundings i mean who gets to grow up in a haunted theater and you know sit there and the light goes off thinking that's a ghost of charles lawton it's amazing i love it and it's how it's affected your life similar to how the paranormal has affected my life and it's made me a happier person because it's given me a bigger wider look at the world how we live how i live my life and i'm don't know about you are you frightened of death are you frightened of dying i mean I am on a personal level in terms of like what I want to experience in my body, you know, in this lifetime. Mm. But in terms of uh, the afterlife or, you know, I I actually feel very um, 
yeah, sort of at peace with it a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's more of a question than an existential dread. Um, yeah, but how do you feel about it? Oh, I can't wait. I know that sounds a bit weird. I love that. Um, but honestly, uh, no, because I, I, I know it's going to be the most amazing experience and I'm going to see all my family members again and I I honestly I've already said to them we're having a table under a weeping willow tree and I want my grandma's Sunday lunch all spread out and all everybody there and I'm they're going to be waving to me and I come over there here we've got it all sorted can't wait we're gonna have a big party the day that I go over (laughs) and I always say to my family if I go I said you mustn't be sad or cry so because you've got to think of me I am dancing and I'm having a wonderful time and honestly that I really genuinely believe that and and uh, I I think it's lovely how you having come you know you've you've grown in a way you know with your experiences and and it's made you look at things in a different way and it's lovely to talk to somebody who's a believer like myself and yeah. you've had your own experiences oh, yeah and, and that's wonderful so so when does your when does your show start so my show starts on August the 3rd through August the 27th. And um, yeah, it's like, it's creepy. It's macabre. It's joyful. It's gossip. It's funny. I, the whole deal. It's show business. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 I tell you, yeah, I tell yeah. you what it is, Ruby. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> it's, it's your thing, Ruby, baby. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time because I oh know you're God, incredibly for busy. Um, and this is so fun. No. And you keep ghost hunting in LA. You're our you're our official ghost hunter <laughs> in LA. I want you to report back any weird or paranormal happenings you may encounter. I'm serious. Oh, this is great. It. I'm I coming will. to us live. Can you imagine coming live from LA? It's Ruby McAllister and she's just experienced poltergeist activity. It would be great. I'm like actively going to do this. You you got a life. Yes, trim. please. That honestly. So sign yourself out now as Ruby McAllister, the official LA paranormal activity investigator. And three, two, one and action. Hi, this is Ruby McAllister, and I am the resident paranormal investigator for Los Angeles County. Signing off. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, check out Ruby on social media, and here's the uh, handle. It's at Ruby McAllister and at Ruby.McAllister. And just so you know, I've not lost my memory. The place we investigated in L.A. was called the Hollywood American Legion. What an amazing experience that was just to be in the same place that some of these huge stars had just come for a drink, a quiet drink with like-minded people. It was incredible. And as soon as you walked in, the atmosphere, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Um, and just, just to, like I said to, to Ruby, just to hear these snooker balls smashing around it was almost like yeah come and play it was fantastic and i would love to go back there again and now the answer to our fact or fiction i know you've been on the edge of your seat haven't you i'm a woman on the edge and the edge of your seat waiting to find out what the answer is to this question most american theaters keep a light on after the theater closes for the ghost is this fact or fiction and the answer is 
fact. Most American theatres have a ghost light, which is switched on when everyone leaves for the night. Usually it's a single bare light bulb on a stand and it still remains lit until the crew arrive the next day. And did you know the footlights in English theatres as well? Um, part of the reason why they were put there um, you know, aside from the obvious reasons to light the stage and sort of uplight the performers, was to also stop them. It was for it was to stop bad luck, because before these lights came on, a lot of the actors were falling off the side of the stage. Um, you know, uh, having terrible um, accidents. So of course, when these lights came on, they were also well. There you go. We've got the good luck lights on. So just a little fact there for you again. Well, have you ever experienced something paranormal in a theatre? Or is there a location or site that you think we need to cover on the podcast? If you do, or for anything else, get in touch with us and share your stories at this address. It's at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp and here's the number 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram where we share all our socials, um, pictures, videos, uh, so on. And the handle for that is at paranormalactivity.com pod stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week but if you can't wait until then visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early have a great week stay safe and if anything strange spooky or paranormal happens to you or occurs report back to base and let me know but in the meantime remember things aren't always as they seem (laughs) 